Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. How we doing? Good to see you guys. Glad you are here. I want to welcome you to uh, week two of our series we're calling We Love, which is really all about the things and people that we love as a church. Here's something I don't love, allergies. Uh, anybody else suffering this week? Allergies? Okay. This is, I, I want to cut my head off. I'll just be acknowledged this. And I'm, I'm warning you in the first row, my nose is a little bit of a faucet, so you may just receive a wonderful baptism today. Uh, I'm serious. I've like been to CVS so many times this week. I think they think I'm starting a crystal meth lab in the basement. It's like, you're back for more pills. Uh, well, here's the deal. Um, last week we kicked off. If you weren't with us, uh, we said that we as a church love untouchables. And we're not talking about Elliot Ness. We're talking about people who are kind of more uh, traditionally maybe on the fringe of culture or society. We really acknowledge that the, in Jesus' day, he was really someone known for loving untouchables, people who suffered from like debilitating diseases like leprosy. Lepers carried a huge social stigma, and they were on the fringe of society. People wouldn't go near them with, you guys remember this, a 10-foot pole. Who remembers a 10-foot pole last week? We said, but Jesus didn't carry a 10-foot pole. He actually snapped that, and he would reach out to touch anybody and show them the unconditional love and compassion of their Heavenly Father. And that's a neat thing because that's a model for us. When Jesus extended compassion to all people, we realized, you know what, as his followers, we're supposed to be doing the same thing. So what we're doing for our fifth birthday as a church is we're giving out birthday presents to people in our cities who are closest to God's heart. In Morristown, uh, we are giving extreme makeover to the Eric Johnson House, which provides transitional housing for homeless men and women who are suffering with AIDS or HIV. And um, that's an issue that the church at large has historically kind of avoided. They don't want to touch it with our 10-foot pole. But we said, you know what? It's our honor, actually, to serve the residents of the Eric Johnson House on Saturday, May 26th. What we're doing is mobilizing as a church into the streets. We're going to remodel the bathrooms, refinish the floors, install all new appliances, new mattresses, get a whole carpeting, give the whole thing a makeover. Because the Eric Johnson House really needs a little TLC, tender, loving care. That's what those living with HIV and AIDS really need most. So please sign up because it is our privilege as a church to put our faith into action and reach out and touch like Jesus did our neighbors who are most in need. So that kind of just brings you up to date, okay, on our first birthday present to the community. You can sign up at liquidchurch.com, sign up with your life group, serve with your kids, whatever, but it's going to be an amazing day. Now today, I'm going to unveil 
the second and third birthday presents that we're giving away as a church to our cities in a message I'm entitling, We Love Elijah's Promise. We Love Elijah's Promise. If you're taking notes, some of you are like, I know Elijah, but what was his promise? A little background. Um, you probably know, you've heard of Elijah. He's one of the most important prophets in Old Testament history. He's the guy who called fire down from heaven, and that's a pretty neat trick. Uh, but he lived around 875 B.C., and he was hands down the most famous and dramatic of Israel's prophets. He had a kind of single-minded commitment to God, and uh, God performed incredible miracles through Elijah. And I think his life is kind of the perfect example of how we can live a life of miraculous blessing. That is, as followers of Jesus, we're not blessed just so we can have a comfortable life. Anytime a man or woman is blessed by God, it's so you can actually be a blessing to others. We have to begin by acknowledging everything that we have is from God. The money in your pocket, the house that you have, the car that you drive, it's all from God. And you're like, well, no, I, you know, I worked really hard. My intellect, I worked hard at school. I've been driving my career. Who gave you that intellect? Who gave you those gifts? It's all from God. And that's humbling to acknowledge because God says, if I give that to you, I want you to be open-handed and on the lookout for people uh, who lack the basics. Stuff like food or clothing, or shelter, stuff that you and I may take for granted. Guess what? There come these moments in our life that God actually intentionally crosses our path with somebody in acute need. And when that happens, the question is, do you have a faith that shows itself in action? Is your faith authentic? Do you believe God actually brings you in the life of others to, to, to serve them, or is your faith all talk, no walk? Elijah confronts us with this challenge, and I just want to pray and kind of ask God's Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts. So would you just pray with me? God, as we open your word, I pray that you will open the eyes of our heart, that we will see you more clearly and your heart for this world that you gave your life for. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you want to take your Bibles, you see in the notes, our main text today is 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, as you turn there, just a little bit of background. Um, Elijah was a prophet. That, a prophet was a preacher. It means he prophesied. He preached. And he preached and he spoke God's truth to power. In other words, the government, okay? That's who he spoke primarily to. At that time, no president. It was a king, a king known as King Ahab, who was a very, very wicked uh, king. And Elijah went into the White House there and he preached and he said, I am prophesying, I'm predicting that God's going to cause a drought over your entire nation because of how wicked your government is, okay? Now, not surprisingly, the king was very upset. He was so upset he placed a bounty on Elijah's head. Then he was suspended from the NFL for two months. Uh, that's kind of how bounties work. Uh, but Elijah was a marked man. So he started running, and the Lord guided him to this brook known as the Kareth Ravine, and he actually fed him by ravens. God literally fed Elijah through the birds of the air, and he drank from this brook. That's where we pick up here in 1 Kings. Look at verse 7. It says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go at once to Zarephath. It's exit 12 on route 287 south. It's, uh, no, of Sidon. And, uh, and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with what? To supply you with food. Okay, watch. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow there was gathering sticks. And he called her. He said, would you bring me a little, what, a little water in a jar so that I could have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called out, and please bring me a piece of bread. And as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. So I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Okay, we'll just pause there for a minute because this story is over 3,000 years old. But the reality is 
we quickly find that we're confronted with very modern-day issues. Maybe not here in America, but in the third world. Famine, starvation, hungry people, people without anything to eat. And again, we live in this region of the world. We're known for our abundance. There's great material wealth in New Jersey. And yet these issues of hunger, where we live, they're actually just beneath the surface. Right now today, do you know this? In New Jersey, over one million people lack food security. And you might be like, well, what's food security? Food security means you don't know where your next meal is coming from, okay? Of those million people who don't know where their meal is coming from, 400,000 of them are children. That's New Jersey, okay? How many of you know you're, you're having lunch today? You, you know where you're having lunch. You're like, I don't, may not know where I'm having lunch. Maybe Wendy's, I don't know, we'll see. We may splurge, you know, may go to Kedoba. Uh, you know, you know you're actually gonna have lunch. You may not know where, but guess what? Today, today, right now, 400,000 kids in New Jersey, they don't know if they're gonna have lunch. A lot of times their parents have to choose between paying the mortgage or the rent and actually buying food. So lack of, lack of unemployment, right? Economy in crisis. The working poor and seniors, a lot of families now are turning to you know, food pantries, soup kitchens, that sort of thing for basic sustenance. That's the situation Elijah's facing right here. The brook he had been drinking from dried up just as our economy has dried up over the last five years. And Elijah found himself homeless and hungry. When God says, I want you to go to this woman in Zarephath, she's going to help you. But she's an unlikely choice. Do you see it? She's a widow. And this is a culture where the husbands would be farmers, agrarian culture. And so in other words, she's all alone. She was among the most vulnerable. She had a son, a little boy. And Elijah actually makes a simple request. He says, would you bring me a little, wa a little water and a piece of bread? Bread and water. This is what you call a subsistence diet, okay? Only the basics. That's what you ask for in a crisis, and this was a crisis, okay? Drought and famine in Israel. There hadn't been rain for several years, and the people were suffering, so the basics, bread and water, was like a precious commodity. And this was through no fault of their own, by the way. The reason God caused things to dry up, he was to punish the wickedness of the government. King Ahab and Jezebel, they worshipped a god known as Baal, and you know what Baal was the god of? The god of rain who they, everyone believed would bring the bountiful harvest. So this was like an in-your-face rebuke to Baal. God's like, I'll show you who's really God. It's not going to rain here for years except at my word. And sure enough, God withdrew his blessing to squeeze King Ahab, and the people were suffering too, especially the most vulnerable. So here's what the widow says to Elijah. I don't have any bread. Only this handful of flour in a jar and, and a, little, a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and, and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. In other words, this was a desperate situation, guys. When she met Elijah, she was planning her last meal. She and her son were literally on the verge of starvation themselves. So the idea of like, oh, I'm going to prepare a meal and help somebody else who's hungry, it seemed out of the question. But now pick up in verse 13. Let's finish this. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So God says, as you sacrifice to feed others, I'm gonna feed you. If you use what little you have to feed the hungry, I'm gonna provide for your family, okay? This won't run out. And this is Elijah's promise to the woman. Now watch this. This is amazing, folks. This is what obedience looks like. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. And what's it say? The jug of oil did not run dry. 
in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. This was Elijah's promise. Spoken 3,000 years ago. And guess what? The promise still stands today. See, when we take God at his word, when any believer says, you know what? What little I have is just sheer grace. This is just a gift from God to be used in the service of others. God says, aha, now there's someone I can trust. There's someone who has a living faith worth blessing. If I can trust you with just a little bit of oil in your jug and know you're going to use it to serve others, I can trust you. I mean, what did the widow have, right? She had, it says, a fistful of flour and a tiny jug of oil. Now, this is, this is Wesson oil, okay, that I got from, from, <laughs> from underneath the sink. My wife's probably wondering where it is. Uh, this is canola oil. This is the kind of stuff my, my mother would like fry chicken in, okay? It doesn't say what Elijah had. It probably wasn't canola oil because in those days, oil was the essence of making bread and it represented the anointing of God. That's what, that's what oil is in the, in the Old Testament. It shows God's favor, his blessing, his anointing on your life. And she's like, well, I don't have much blessing. I got about this much left. And she probably looked at Elijah and then looked at her starving son and said, I, I, I can't share this. But guess what? Elijah says, if you're willing to use what you have to feed me, you use this as an act of faith and worship to God. I promise you, it will never run out. You will never go hungry again. I imagine the woman shaking her head and saying, well, we're going to die anyway. <laughs> and so she said, all right, okay, this kind of woolly wild prophet here, I'm going to start pouring. And she started pouring and she started pouring and she started pouring and there was enough to feed Elijah and there was enough to feed her son. There was enough to feed herself. And then the next day, 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 it just kept pouring and kept what do you give me to drink that? <laughs> oh, man, that is. All of a sudden, you realized when you begin letting the anointing of God pour through your life, what happens? It won't run out. It runs over. She didn't have enough for Elijah. She didn't have enough for her son. But when she reached out to use what little she had, day after day after day, God poured more and more oil into her life. That's the power behind Elijah's promise. That's the power of any believer who shares their faith their finances and say, you know what? I'm going to let it run over and spill out of me into the lives of other people. God says, when you give me your faith, when you give me your finances, when you put your heart in my hands, you see the need of other people and you trust the word of the Lord and you respond with compassion. God says, as you sacrifice to feed others, I am going to pour it over in your life and it will not run out. Your jar is going to be full. And here's the deal. All of us have different levels of oil. I just acknowledge that. Some of you are like, I'm like the widow, man. I got a little bit. But some of you, your, your jar is pretty full, okay? During this downturn, I was talking to a guy, and he said, you know, I've, I've seen things dry up for my friends and my neighbors. He's like, I feel kind of guilty because my business has just grown. It's just gotten expanded. His jar is full. His, his barns are filled to overflowing. He says, I feel guilty. I was like, don't you feel guilty about that. Don't feel guilty because this is a sign that God trusts you with his money. He's chosen you to be his money manager. And the simple question is, do you believe Elijah's promise? That when, when you're blessed this way, you look at the world around you and you see the most vulnerable. You see a homeless man like Elijah. You see a single mom and her son struggling to get by. And you realize you've been given the oil to what? To bless them. That's what the oil is in the Old Testament. It's a sign of God's special favor, his anointing on your life. And you realize, oh my gosh, the resources God is putting in my hands is supposed to pour through me to add joy and life and salvation to people who are most vulnerable. It's a powerful, powerful principle. And this is Elijah's promise. And it's where we get the name of our second birthday present to the cities that we are privileged to serve. 
Those of you who are at our New Brunswick campus, you're probably familiar with the name Elijah's Promise, which is the name of the city's premier soup kitchen, serving the hungry and the homeless people in New Brunswick. Elijah's Promise is an incredible organization. It began in 1989 with a simple mission. It's to harness the power of food, fresh food, not junk food, fresh food, to break the cycle of poverty, alleviate suffering, and really change lives in the inner city. And uh, I had a chance to visit Elijah's Promise this past week with Pastor Mike, and it is much more than a soup kitchen. I don't know what that conjures up in your head. But volunteers there prepare thousands of nutritious meals every year, and they serve their guests with dignity and provide them access to fresh, homegrown fruits and vegetables and nutritious meals in a time of hunger. They also connect vulnerable families with social services and more. It's just a tremendous ministry. And so it's our privilege as a church to put our faith in action, actually pour the oil that God has given us into Elijah's promise this spring as we upgrade their entire facility. Hey guys, Pastor Tim here with Pastor Mike from New Brunswick. What's up, Liquid? And we're here today with Lisanne, who's a new friend. She serves as executive director of Elijah's Promise, which is a volunteer-run soup kitchen serving the hungry here in the city of New Brunswick. Now, Lisanne, Elijah's Promise is almost 20 years old, was founded in 1989. What's the mission of your ministry? The mission of Elijah's Promise is to harness the power of food, to break the cycle of poverty, to alleviate hunger, and to change lives. And we are honored and humbled to be able to come alongside the ministry of Elijah's Promise with an extreme makeover. So let's go inside and check it out. Now, Lisanne, Elijah's Promise is a lot more than just a soup kitchen. Tell us about it. That's right, Tim. We uh, serve thousands of meals um, weekly, monthly, all throughout the year. And we serve those meals using locally grown food, trying to promote sustainability and health and wellness for all the people in the community who are in need. So all the food here is homegrown, Jersey good. Jersey fresh. They serve over 100,000 meals every year at the cafeteria on the premises. The cafeteria currently meets in a basement that can seat about 100 people for each meal. But our goal is to expand the amount of people we can serve and the hours of operation. So what we really want to do is enhance the dignity of the people who walk through our doors. And so we're excited about transforming this cafeteria. As you can see, the lighting is kind of dull, just the atmosphere, and transform that into a creative cafe experience for our guests. So Lisanne, just tell the people of Liquid how we best can come alongside you as we serve the hungry together. Well, we are thrilled that you guys are partnering with us because as you can see, we could use some tables, we could really use some lighting and some pendant lighting to brighten things up, paint, make this place light and lively and so that people will feel welcome. Now Lisanne, is, that, uh, is this a jail with those bars? Well, you know, um, we've had bars on the windows since we moved into this building almost 20 years ago and getting rid of the bars will not only brighten things up but help people feel like they're really in a community place where they're welcome. Liquid Church, let's transform this kitchen. Now when we say cafe experience, beyond brightening the place up, what does that involve? You know, one of the things that I'm most excited about is that when people come in, we're going to have a full-length mural wall that has iconic pictures of New Brunswick, demonstrating the art and history that exists within the city. Because what it really is about is people coming together, working together to solve the problem of hunger. One of the unique aspects of this outreach is that it's a 24-hour makeover. We'll begin renovations at 4 o'clock on Friday, June 1st. And we'll be serving all the way through to 4 o'clock on Saturday, June 2nd. Ty Pennington, eat your heart out. Liquid Church, we, we can, can do, do this. this.
We're here for Elijah's Promise. Very, very, very exciting, incredible. Just excited to serve with Lisanne. Lisanne's an amazing woman. She's kind of like this fireball of energy. She reminds me of an Old Testament prophet. Uh, she's a former minister, and she's like, Tim, I believe that God's mission to the poor means you bring health, you bring wholeness, you bring justice to all people. It's not just giving them bread and water, right, like Elijah. We want to serve people with the dignity and the respect that's so often lacking when you think of like soup kitchen or, or, or bread lines. The whole vision, guys, for this outreach is for us to change this environment from cinder block soup kitchen into a creative cafe that just kind of elevates their spirits, fosters connection. We want to kind of showcase local art and talent. Now, currently, I'll just be honest, the facility is kind of brutal. Um, when I was there, there are bars on the window, a little bit institutional-like. You know, uh, the cafe itself is kind of a dingy basement. And uh, just to give you a little example of that, when I was talking with Lisanne, she said, oh, have, have a seat here, Tim. And I went to sit down, and I was just like, oh, 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 it's a little chair. You know, uh, we each, you know, uh, parents, have you ever done this? Like, you go to a, a parent-teacher conference, and you're like, have a seat, Mr. Lucas. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Wells, second grade. And you're like, oh, I'm a little person, right? Um, and I sit down on this, and she goes, those are the chairs that are left over from a school. That's what our adults sit on. And I'm talking with her, and it's like, it's cute when you're in second grade doing the conference as a kid. But I want you to imagine you're a grown man walking into a soup kitchen. I want you to imagine you step over the stigma that I don't have enough to provide. I'm actually going to have to rely on someone else for a meal. I want you to imagine a 200-pound man off the street carrying his tray, and then he sits down in a little chair. It's humiliating. And so our vision, guys, is to gut this place, throw out all the chairs and tables, get proper you know, seating, elegant lighting, pendant lamp, less soup kitchen, more Panera. Can you see the vision here? We want to elevate their dignity and show them the respect that they deserve as children of God. Because it's not just about feeding their stomach, it's feeding the soul too. That's the whole vision of this, guys. That's the reason we're doing this. It's not just to give bread and water a handout, but something even more nourishing to the soul. And this is critical that you get this, because it's not charity, guys. It's not charity. As we talked with Lizanne, she said the face of hunger has changed over the last five years dramatically during the downturn. Like when you hear the word soup kitchen, most people I think have to think of the stereotype, like a guy living in a you know, cardboard box kind of wanders in half drunk. That's not it. She said, Tim, over the last five years, we have seen a dramatic rise in the number of middle-class families coming to us for the basics, for dinner, for, for meals. She said, it's middle-class people who have either have lost their job or, or, or their business went broke or they used their savings up in the recession of the last five years. She said, so a client no longer is some like, you know, random homeless person looking off the street. It's a single mom and her son coming in for dinner, like the widow and her boy. This is their last, this is their last meal. This is their choice of last resort. So this is, this is not just charity, guys. This is providing food and security for even some of our neighbors in the middle class who find themselves in a situation they've never had to face before in their life. 50% of the people they used to serve there were the working poor. 80% now are unemployed people. So the job crunch in our region has made many families that much more vulnerable. So guys, this is our chance as a church to pour into a ministry that truly serves our city in an incredible way. This spring, we're going to be pouring into the Eric Johnson house, people with AIDS. We're going to be pouring into Elijah's kitchen. We're going to be pouring into the lives of the hungry and using what God's blessed our church with to anoint, to bless, to heal, to serve in Jesus' name. That's the point, guys. Because when you reach out with the compassion of Christ, you know what God says? You are never going to run out. I am going to continue to bless you. And you need to know that. That's why we exist as a church, and that's why I think we're blessed as a church. You need to just kind of get this if you're new to our church, because our philosophy is not to start a duplicate ministry that people are already doing effectively. 
We have no plans to start a soup kitchen. We are not going to start a rehab center or a homeless shelter. It's not our calling. Our calling as a generous church is to generously pour into the lives of people who are already kicking butt in Christ's name. Amen? That's the goal, okay? And this is what your generous giving allows us to do. God's abundance flows into our life, so it flows out of it. Altogether, we're going to be pouring close to $60,000 into these three outreaches this spring in Morristown, Nutley, and New, and New Brunswick. So I need you to invest three things. I want you to invest your talent. Those of you who are serving, we, we actually have carpenters, plumbers, painters, all kind of lined up. Your talent, your time. We're hoping to serve over 1,000 volunteer hours through these outreaches this spring. And the third one, time, talent, and your treasure, okay? I want to challenge some of you to step up and invest financially in these projects. God has blessed you to be a blessing. You get this? God's given you resources for you to help others in a time of need. So if your jug is full, that oil ain't for you. All that oil ain't for you. The widow, the widow only had a little bit. What would she go? She goes, I'll give it to him. So give to our church generously so we can give out generously to our community. That's God's heart. That is our heart too. So thanks to those of you who tithe faithfully every week. You give above and beyond. So grateful. If you're not, join us. It is a joy. It is one of the greatest things you can do. Now, our outreach at Elijah's Promise, it's scheduled for Saturday, June 2nd. You need to know this because we need a lot of hands with this makeover. I love when she said, we're going to put Ty Pennington to shame. I love it. Um, you can sign up to serve at liquidchurch.com. Uh, serve with your life group. You can serve with your family. We're bringing our kids to this. Um, you'll notice the Eric Johnson House outreach, the AIDS outreach, is uh, the, the Saturday before. It's on May 26th, and this is the Sunday after. We intentionally staggered those weekends. So if you're traveling one weekend, you can't make one outreach, you can make the other. You're, if you want to, you can go to all our outreaches. You can sign up. We, we love people at all our campuses to sign up for any outreach you want. And this includes our brothers and sisters in Nutley. On June 2nd, you're going to see an army of red T-shirts pouring all over Essex County to serve the community there. Um, Pastor Chris has a number of projects lined up. They're going to be helping the local food pantry there. They're going to be working with the Board of Ed to kind of beautify, paint some of the school facilities that are underserved. So go online, Nutley. It's going to be great. In fact, Liquid, can we hear it for our Nutters, our brothers and sisters in Nutley? We love you guys. We love Essex County. We love Middlesex County. We love Morris County. So this spring, those are the three birthday presents we're giving as a church and pouring into the lives of the hungry, the homeless, and those who need our help. If you're ready to serve, just sign up at liquidchurch.com. We'll get you plugged in over the next couple weeks. The thing I love most, guys, that really touches my heart about um, Elijah's promise, and now I'm talking about 1 Kings 17, is there's a timeless principle that still holds true in 2012. What was Elijah's promise? He said to the widow, if you feed the hungry, if you share your oil with somebody in need, just the basics, you'll never be in need again. You will be blessed as you bless others. You will have more than you need. Your cup will never run dry. That, that was Elijah's promise. It's not a health and wealth gospel. He says there's a, just a principle here that as God pours into you and it pours out of you into others, God says, I can trust you. I'm going to use you as a filter and just keep siphoning pouring it into people's lives. That's an incredible thing. And you know, because you know why? Her obedience saved her entire family. That principle as you give liberally those in need, God will provide even more. This overflowing jar of divine abundance born of compassionate service, you see this all throughout the Bible. In the New Testament, in Matthew uh, 25, Jesus says, there's going to be this moment. We all stand before the Father, God, and he's the judge, right? And he separates the sheep from the goats, meaning the true, the true followers of the faith and the, and the fakers, the followers and the fakers. And it's like, how does God tell the difference? And Jesus says, here's how. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to 
drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger. You invited me in. And the funny thing is, is that in Jesus' story, the faithful people say, wait, wait a minute, Lord. When, when did we see you hungry or at the soup kitchen? Or, or when did we see you, you know, at the homeless shelter? I, I don't remember that. And Jesus says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for who? You did for me. And this is a mystery. But scripture suggests that in some way, when we pour ourselves out for vulnerable people, it's like we are serving Jesus Christ in disguise. Theologians call it God's preferential treatment of the poor. And it's an amazing thought. When you provide a new mattress for someone living with AIDS, it's like you're giving Jesus a place to lay his head. When you invest your resources to provide a chair and square meal to a street person, you're preparing a throne for a king. That's how God looks at it. You're bringing heaven down to earth. Whatever service you render to the most marginal and materially needy, it's like rendered directly unto Jesus Christ. And God blesses that. He says, I want to bless that. I bless you in Jesus' name. I'm blessing you to be a blessing and pour it out. I'm going to pour more into you. That's the principle. That's Elijah's promise, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful when you see it in action. I think one of the most um, beautiful descriptions, this kind of compassion-born anointing is in Isaiah 58. In fact, let's, let's turn there. Just put your finger in there. Turn to page 518. Uh, we'll close with this. Um, Isaiah it was another prophet, and he, um, he envisioned this moment where uh, Israel wanted to turn back to God. They were fasting. You guys know this? This past fast, this past uh, uh, spring, we've been fasting as a church. We've been going without food right? To see God move powerfully. But Isaiah 58 is called true fasting and describes a kind of, of true fast that's guaranteed to move the Lord's heart in his hand. And it's interesting because it has nothing to do with food or water. It's not about food deprivation. It's actually about compassion. God says to Israel, you guys think I'm impressed when you skip lunch for a day? You think that impresses me? And then he says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. In other words, it's like taking the bars off of windows where there's injustice and poverty and speaking into it prophetically. He says, is it not to share your food with who? The hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Now watch this. This is the promise. What happens when you spend yourself? That's pouring language. When you pour out your life on behalf of the hungry, look. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And let's read this together. This is powerful. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Translation, God says, I got your back. That's what a rear guard is. He says, you lead with compassion and pour out your oil I'll be your rear guard. I got your back. You will never run out again. Then you will call, he says, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help, and he'll say, here am I. It's beautiful. So many people, when trouble hits, they wonder, where, you know, where's God? Where, where, where'd he go? And God's like, Phew. when you step out to serve the poor in my name, God says, I'm right here. You found me, baby. And I hear your cry for help. That widow heard Elijah's cry for food, and she helped. And then God heard her cry, and he helped, and he never ran out. That's, that's Elijah's promise. Because you get caught up in this blessed cycle of, of overflowing jars, of more oil than more anointing, more oil, more anointing, and as we spread the most precious commodity available, and that is God's love. That's what it is. It's a beautiful picture. 
In fact, let's do this. I want to read this together. In fact, all our campuses, let's stand up. Can we do that? Just stand up where you are, all your campuses, on our feet. We're going to read God's word. Isaiah 58, verse 10. Let's read this out loud. If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. That was Elijah's promise. That as we sacrifice to meet the needs of others, God says, I'm going to meet your needs in a sun-scorched land. Even if you don't believe, it's like, call it enlightened self-interest. <laughs> it's the principle of Elijah, and it's a promise for all of us. Amen? Liquid Church, let's pray right now. We want to dedicate these outreaches to the Lord. Father God, we thank you. Thank you so much, Father, for allowing us to see your heart, that you are a good and compassionate God. And Father, we just ask your forgiveness when we grow apathetic, Father. We do. We live amidst abundance, and a lot of times we just feel we don't even have enough. But Father, the needs are so great around us. And Lord, we want to overflow your spirit of compassion just out of our lives, out of our church, into our cities. Flood it with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. May they ask and know, Lord, why we're doing that. It's because when we were hungry, spiritually hungry, you sent Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Father, when we were untouchable, you came down among us and reunited us with the Father. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. We look forward to serving in his name, and I ask right now that you will just pour your Holy Spirit into your people as we serve our cities together. It's in Jesus' name and power we pray. All God's people said together, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.